Good evening, wherever you are, and thanks for clicking on the Just Like the Movies podcast. We are we're coming at you to talk a little sports, talk a little feel good story picked by uh, by the main man, Johnny. Johnny, how are you doing, man? How how's it going tonight? It's going all right, bud. Uh, Major League, Major League. <laughs> we're gonna find out whether or not Jesus Christ can hit a curveball tonight. That's our goal. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, I love baseball movies, uh, from the, you know, dramas, you know, your Costners to, to your comedies, uh, major league is, uh, is up there and for, for sports comedies in general, not even just baseball comedies. And, uh, we're going to try to get to the root of why that is, I guess, in this podcast, but I think we both kind of enjoy this movie. You're obviously from, uh, the greater Cleveland area in Ohio. So you could probably give that perspective of what it's like being, a fan of uh, you know that area sports and and what it's like being from from that sort of area because it's funny for me being a Yankee fan sitting here rooting for these this fic- fictitious Indians team against my favorite team and it's just because you, you get behind these characters and the and the craziness that's going on here but I really enjoy this movie I'm looking forward to having a chat about it and all the ins and outs that uh, made it so enjoyable and last uh, last in the hearts and minds of of sports movie fans. For over three decades, right? Jeez. Yeah. Didn't the, didn't the Yankees uh, take two or three? Was it two or three this weekend? Three of four. Three of four. Okay. Against, I, against, I saw, against I, your tribe, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's usually how it goes. A lot the, of times. I, the Yan- Yankees have been on the snide, man. Like, my Yanks stink. <laughs> they they have not been good at all. And I it's one of those things where I always feel like for whatever reason, the Indians are always one of those teams that helps the Yankees get out of like slumps. I just remember this one time though. It's like it's just the it's the weirdest thing. I remember this one time I was at a game and they were playing the Yankees and the Yankees got twelve hits and they lost because they left like eight guys on base. They lost that, four to three, I think. <laughs> yeah, just... that, that that's that's on par with this year's team. They're just not mm-hmm. a very good team, which which makes it fun to to talk some fake baseball because. Uh, real baseball right now is not going great. So. Well, that was the inspiration for the movie. Uh, David Ward, the writer-director of this movie, he was a big Cleveland sports fan, and he just wanted to see the Indians win something. So he wrote a movie <laughs> where they would. And uh, for people who don't know who David Ward is, um, his he this was kind of a career resurgence for him. He had a couple... He had a couple of his scripts that didn't go over too well, a couple of his director, uh, directorial efforts that weren't too well received. But um, I think his most, the thing that really catapulted him and made him a name as far as being a writer-director was The Sting uh, in 1973, right. which yeah. um, if anybody's seen any movie about a long con in the past 30 years, it, it ripped off The Sting, if you don't know what The Sting is. Yeah. And plus a lot of movie a lot of people know that song The Entertainer the piano the piano the the very ragtimey piano bit from the beginning of that movie. But yeah. um yeah I, I, it was funny you mentioned uh me being from the area. I'm not a, a big sport a big uh, baseball fan like you are, but I mean I I was surprised watching this how many like local sports memories came flooding back to me. Uh, for example, uh, I used to go to games at the old Municipal Stadium, which is now located where the Browns play. Um, but this movie was not filmed there. It's important to know that this movie was filmed in Milwaukee. Uh, if, if, if you have an eagle eye, you can spot a couple seeds where there's Brewers. Uh, there's there's Brewers logos up or Brewers merch laying around, yeah. I think. But um, 
I I do remember, and and a lot of people know that the the weather here is very uh, very sporadic. So we had snow here. We get snow here pretty much reliably in April. Like so, a lot of those early games get snowed out, or there's snow delays. And uh, but one my, my favorite memory about the Indians was I was about uh, seven or eight years old, and this uh, friend of my uh, my father's friend took us all to a, a baseball game. I think it was uh, a, one of a doubleheader, but we definitely didn't stay for both games because we were too young for that. And um, this guy who used to play for the Indians in the late 80s, his name was Corey Snyder, and that was when the team was, you know, really bad. Like, that, that was the basis of this movie. And he got beaned, and he charged the mound, but he had his bat with him still. <laughs> As the... That's the only time I, I mean, I don't watch a lot of baseball games, but I used to watch a lot more. And, uh, that was the only time I think I've ever seen that where <laughs> he did. did he, did he use the bat on the pitcher? He didn't. I think I, it, you know, I was, I think I was six or seven years old at the time. So I don't, my memory's not the sharpest. I remember that part of it. I, I think everybody kind of stepped in and broke it up before. It okay. wasn't like it wasn't like a Nolan Ryan Robin Ventura situation, which is the the <laughs> had, that has to be the greatest uh, pitcher versus batter brawl in history, just because yeah. how how big of an mm-hmm. own of <laughs> Nolan Ryan just putting uh, Ventura restri- immediately in a headlock and just pummeling <laughs> with the sharp end of his knuckle into <laughs> the top of his skull. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where you know you think baseball pitchers, you would think it's like oh they wouldn't win a fight against a against a guy who plays in the field and hits and stuff. Nope. And Nolan Ryan was what, like 45 years old when that happened? Or he was it was like, towards the end. He was yeah. with the Texas Rangers at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's even more, that more embarrassed. I think Ventura to this day admits that it's an embarrassing uh, thing because, uh, but Nolan Ryan's the type of, he was that type of guy who was this just like tough Texan dude who just mm. would have no issue throwing down with you at any point. So. Obvi- obviously not. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and this don't, mo- don't, don't we all like wish we could throw a hundred mile an hour fastball though? You know what I mean? Like we all kind of, I mean, that's a big part of the charm of this movie is we all kind of want to be Rick Vaughn. Oh, I mean, I, I am generously what scouts would refer to as a zero tool player when it comes to baseball. <laughs> so I have absolutely no athletic acumen that lends itself to even being in a rec softball league. Like, I, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could definitely go with you on that. And uh, it's, it's, it's funny because Charlie Sheen was a pitcher in high school and he, he had an offer or he might have gone there for a little while, but I don't think he graduated. He had a scholarship offer, I think, from the University of Kansas to yeah. play baseball there. And he, he his uh, fastball ran up in the high 80s. And then when which, he did... Which is wild. Yeah, and then when he did this movie, he actually got on steroids so he could throw the ball 85 miles an hour. Yeah. So it would which, look credible. Which is impressive because it's... Uh, he, yeah, he said he was pumping to 78, 79... Uh, at this point and I think he was like 24 at this time so it just goes to show like when you stop playing you know whether it's mechanics or your training or whatever like how how quick it can fall off because if he was you know 20 years old pumping high 80s sans roids and then he you know four years later he's you know he's acting and he's doing this sort of thing and he has this now this great career obviously you know nepotism aside following the footsteps (laughs) of his father Martin Sheen the legend Um, but he now he's throwing you know 
high 70s and then he winds up taking uh, steroids which he claims he took steroids i don't know if there's reason reason to not believe him or not but he did apparently reveal that in uh, 2011 which was i believe at the peak of his tiger blood mania so <laughs> who, who knows what he was saying then what what a time to be alive i mean <laughs> yeah I, I still don't like saying the word winning just because it's just i feel like he destroyed that word for for earth Winner, winner, um, sheen dinner. Sheen dinner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but uh, it, that, and then you contrast that with Wesley Snipes, who, aside from being a, a, a physical specimen and he's a pretty good martial artist, he is lousy at sports. Like, they wouldn't even show up, they wouldn't even show him throw the ball because he, he, he was, no. uh, his character was the center fielder, right? So yeah. they always. They always showed him making these crazy like b- like home run saving catches, but they never showed him throw the ball because he was so bad at it. Which yeah, which was a tra- he couldn't throw the ball, yeah. Which was a tradition that carried over to white men can't jump, where we had to pretend that his ball handling skills and his basketball skills were really good, and that was a that was a missed opportunity too because Char- Charlie Sheen turned down that part, and Woody Harrelson took it, so there could have been a major league reunion. In white men can't jump, but there was. I not. like I like Woody Harrelson way more than Charlie Sheen, though. Just across uh, the across the board. I just can't picture Charlie Sheen selling that that line where he's yelling at the dudes who are heckling him. He's like, "Opie Taylor, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Opie pissing on you, man." <laughs> that's a that's a that's a great movie. I got to rewatch that one. Um, yeah, yeah. The early Ron Shelton stuff is really good. You know, Bull Durham, White Men Can't Jump. And then it uh, there's goes down in quality a little bit after that. I agree for in, sure. In my in, in my humble opinion, and that's all opinion should be, um, are humble indeed. But um, yeah, this movie talk we're talking about you know the athletic abilities of the the actors. It there's a wide range we're looking at here, and mm-hmm. maybe we maybe we start there just for some fun because. You know, I have been playing, played baseball since I was five years old. I went to clinics. I was on travel teams. I was really deep into it and really love the game. I still do to this day. And I'm a stickler for baseball movies looking accurate in terms of these guys looking like they are actually baseball players. And this movie is definitely hit or miss with actors. And I'll just give my take and let me know what you think. So I think Sheen does a tremendous job mm-hmm. for obvious reasons because you said it. Mm-hmm. The guy played the game. And he looks like he can throw a heater. And his, his mechanics look good. Even his follow-through, he looks like a confident pitcher. Flip it to the other side. Eddie Harris, um, <laughs> who's played by a 47-year-old... Chelsea Ross. Uh, che- Chelsea Ross. Yes. I have never, in the history of watching baseball movies, shows, or anything, seen a more piss-poor attempt at someone looking like a baseball pitcher in my life supposedly Eddie in harris real, in major league supposedly in real life he was a three-sport athlete in his youth i don't know that, if i don't remember he, if one of them was baseball but no it was probably <laughs> ping pong bowling and something else <laughs> no no way i'm oh, sorry oh look at this guy pull up a clip or a gif of this guy delivering a pitch and there's zero percent chance it's even reaching home plate <laughs> zero <laughs> Well, he was like one of the um, the thing about this movie that I like, and I, I don't know, people kind of get my shtick by now. Is I I really like to get into it, like get into the trivia and kind of talk about that a little bit. There's not really a lot of that with this movie, but one of the interesting things is how the players or the players that were featured in the movie, a lot of them were inspired 
by real life baseball players. And yeah. uh, I guess the inspiration for the Eddie Harris character was Gaylord Perry, who was just, you know, the dirtiest. The, the, the doctor. Was he, was he the one who said, you're not cheating, you're not trying, or was that Goose Gossage? No, I think Goose Gossage was more like a Boy Scout. He was he, he oh. didn't like he didn't like people who would uh, try to cheat the game. Yeah, you got you got this dude putting like Hidden Valley Ranch on the ball, so it'll drop a couple inches. <laughs> Little jalapeno. <laughs> I scrubbed that in my nose. Vagisil. <laughs> And then the yeah, other thing, the other things I didn't know because they probably been discontinued because they found out they caused cancer, but they sold them in the eighties. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's just the staple of that decade. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. And then you got Dennis Haspert, who apparently was actually cranking shots out of the stadium. So apparently he knew how to. Oh, I hit didn't the know that. Per- they, yeah, they, apparently in an interview he said whenever he was called upon or Pedro Serrano was supposed to like hit one out, he did. And like the crew and cast were always like, "Wow, this dude can rake for you know mm. for the for the for an actor. If he actually mm. tried to play major league baseball, he'd get destroyed." But uh, he held his own there and did and did a good job. Now I don't know if like Serrano whether or not he could hit a curveball, but he he was able to yoke him. So good for him. And then you have you know Tom Berenger, who who again, uh, not good, uh, <laughs> not not good at all. But well, he he he's the. He's the one who brings the acting chops to the movie. Obviously. Yeah, and and he also had kind of the um, you know, you know, this movie is a comedy and you you know, you've seen it so many times and it's like the things that are supposed to hit you a certain way don't hit you a certain way when you've seen them 30, 40, delivered 30 or 40 times. And one of the things I realized watching this movie is that Tom Berenger wasn't very funny, but I think his character was a lot more serious and he was kind of he kind of had the thankless role of being the straight man, like the veteran leader. Like he was, he used to be great, and he wants to go yeah. out on top. And he, I think his character. They said they kind of like loosely based him off of Carlton Fisk, which is kind of cool. Yeah, um, that that sounds about right, or like a Johnny Bench or something. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. In any event, he uh, he had kind of a. I just thought his part was a little. It's like oh, because like the thing that one of the only things that really made me laugh out loud was when they're in the restaurant. And, you know, Wild Thing's wearing a sleeveless leather jacket and a sleeveless t-shirt under it. And then he's got a necktie just around his neck. He's like, I feel like a banker in this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) When did you first see this movie? Because I... Go Uh, ahead. Oh, man. Uh, And then also, I love that scene where, Mm. in that same scene, Willie Mae Hayes is, like, wishing the the, uh, drink around in his mouth, like it's mouthwash. and. (laughs) That they're just like taking it all in and he you know he obviously out of the gate tries to put forth this sort of uh, high class persona when he mm. rolls up in his uh rolls royce volkswagen beetle hybrid <laughs> yeah <laughs> um the parking lot's back there um no first time i saw it man oh it's probably i was like 11 or 12 i think oh that's I think cool I, yeah i think i was at a sleepover when I was still living in Long Island, and one of my friends had a birthday party, and they kind of did a sleepover, and we were able to rent some movies, and we they like that's when, you know, you really start getting into sports, and we rented that this, and his parents must have been cool because it's rated R, right? But this and mm. Necessary Roughness with Scott Bakula, uh. and I remember we watched both of them, but yeah, I think it was around, uh, uh, I'd say eleven or twelve years old. Okay, yeah, because I, I I definitely remember seeing Major League Two first. And then I don't think I saw the, and and that was a really popular movie 
in my house. I don't. I know a lot of people view that as inferior to this one uh, in a lot of ways, but go. It's hard to go back and watch go from Major League Two, and then you go to this movie, and it's like it's just it's funny and it's entertaining and it's a good feel good story, kind of in the vein of like Slapshot or Bad News Bears, but it's just rougher. Like the language is rougher. Like the the feel is rougher, like, like uh, you know, when, when Taylor gives Dorn that speech about if he tanks another play, he's gonna rip his nuts off and stuff about his fucking throat. It's like, okay, like, that's that's pretty intense, but it, it felt appropriate for the character and everything. I'm not saying it was out of place, but I'm, I'm saying comparing the two movies, but this is still pretty, I, I meant to say it at the top, this is a pretty breezy movie, and it kind of has... Is. And it kind of has yeah. to be because it's 106 minutes. They cover a hundred, a whole baseball season, the preseason drama, uh, and a one-game playoff. You got, you got to love those montages, man. <laughs> you got to love it. Yeah, that's the only way you get through a season in a movie is those wonderful montages with the uh, puzzle pieces of Rachel's body. <laughs> but um, you, you make a lot of good points that bring a few things up to my mind here. Mm. Uh, obviously, it's it's tough, and I don't know how often this has happened. But making a PG movie as a sequel to a rated R movie is almost insane to, right. to me. Mm-hmm. Like, because you, you're bringing back the same characters, you're not franchising this thing, and now you're expecting all these characters who have pretty harsh language in their vernacular to all of a sudden be PG, and you're bringing these characters like Rube Baker and stuff. <laughs> I, 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 I like, I do like Major League Two. But because of the variance and going from adult to like almost like kid, family friendly movie, it's almost like a like it's a weird alternate universe. Well, and and, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's jarring. But um, one of the things you could you could do in your head to rationalize it is that everybody's like trying to go more corporate because they got famous. Like that was a yeah, kind of plot sure. point in the, in sure. that movie was. You know, Vaughn was trying to get do commercials, and Willie Mays Hayes was like trying to do movies, and um, you know, Serrano uh, went Buddhist. <laughs> so, but right. an, anyway, well, well, this isn't a half-ass Major League Two podcast. This is a it's three, not. This is right. a three-quarter-ass Major League original podcast. But, but before before we go to Major League, Mike, can you do that shimmy that makes the women of Cleveland puke? <laughs> I. Uh, no. Uh, not like David Keith, I can't. Okay, fine. <laughs> to to all right, so so that's gonna just rest with Parkman, and that's the end of that. Um, so the other thing, a funny thing that I like to catch tropes in movies. Um, so you brought up that scene about how he said he'd rip off Dorn's nuts and shove them down his mm. fucking throat. Mm. That's when he goes to visit him at his house, and you know it's a very cordial visit at first, and uh, the the wife and he offers him a drink, and the wife goes gets gets the drinks. And it's the classic thing that they do in movies where two people get together to have a drink and they don't end up having the drink because shit goes down. And it's just like whatever the conversation is, one person leaves before they even take a sip of the drink. And that happens all the time in TV shows, all the time in movies. And in this one, I think she doesn't even get the drinks there. She has them on the tray, right? Yeah. And she, and she walks in, and he says that line, right? Yeah, and then, and then he just walks right by her, doesn't say anything, doesn't even look at her. Cause he- right. Right, and then she's like, "You know what? I'll just fuck the really the the starting pitcher later." Because because my husband hates him, and I'm right. sure he's talked about it. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, I'll just I'll just find out what bar he hangs out in, and I'm sure I'll just run into him by himself, and and, and I'll dress like a hooker, and we'll have sex, and it'll be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, is it harder to suspend disbelief for that, 
or for when Rene Russo, uh, Tom, uh, Tom, Lynn, Tom Berenger's love interest, shows up at the game, and then he, in true romantic style, follows her home, goes into her house uninvited. They have a two-minute conversation about all the times he was he was unfaithful, and then I, in her head, she says, "I guess it's cock time." <laughs> And what baseball player leaves his cleats on when he leaves the stadium? Uh, well, I don't know, man. I like I, I think I pretty I'm pretty well established. I am not well versed in the in the diamond. I'll, I'll tell you what baseball player. <laughs> no baseball player does that. You right. can't walk in spikes. Does he you take can't like, do the, it? Does he take the bullpen cart too? He takes the bullpen cart and he <laughs> removes her dress using his cleats. Nice. Classy. Very classy. As he as he's proving to her how much he knows about Moby Dick, which he cheats by reading the comic book version, which is exactly what I would do. <laughs> I'm not reading Moby Dick. Are you insane? That's about the level of class I would expect from a guy who claimed he was reality in Platoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. There's another pairing, you're right. Berenger and Charlie Sheen both in Platoon. Um, <sighs> also with your boy John C. McGinley in that movie. Oh yes. Oh yes. I'm, I've been doing a Scrubs rewatch lately. It's delightful. Oh, is it? It is. It is. It's. It, it holds up well. Um, a lot of the humor they do on that show, just like anything else, would never be able to air in a show today. But um, there we are. But yeah, I, you know, the athlete stuff aside, obviously, I get over that. Um, I love Lou Brown. I think he's just a, an amazing, perfect <laughs> choice as the grizzled tire salesman manager. Uh, even his first line, which I, I want to get your take on what, what, why he said what he said was my take is that he thinks it's a fake call because he just says, Oh, I don't know. I got a guy on the other line looking for some white walls. Kind of, kind of like when everyone has that story about how they got the fateful call that changed their career and they thought it was fake. So they hung up on him. <laughs> that, that's how I took it. How did you take that? Uh, well, it did happen with, uh, Jake Taylor when he was down in Mexico and they called him and he's like you're gonna pull this shit you can at least say you're from the Yankees is that what he's, he did he say Yankees or did he, he did say, say Yankees, okay yeah, and yeah. uh is that you Talbert <laughs> I think it's that and I think it's also maybe that that's the kind of guy he is they were trying to portray like you know there's not a whole lot of character development in this movie we're not dealing with robust three-dimensional characters but he is a very competent he seems to be a very competent manager and it seems to be very focused on the task at hand which is why he guides them to a one game under 500 record when the when the uh the ball drops on the actual story um which was actually based on a couple different people um i won't get too deep into it but uh you know there are a couple there are sports owners who try to you know they try to do that so they try to uh make the team bad so the attendance drops so they have a ca- a business case to move the team. I mean, we just saw it with uh, Stan Kroenke. I don't know how the hell to say that guy's name, but the Walmart guy, with the who, the guy who married the Walmart uh, woman with the terrible toupee, he moved the Rams back to Los Angeles. Yeah. And uh, one of the inspirations for Rachel Phelps was Georgia Frontier, who owned that team before he did, who was her sixth marriage was to the guy who owned the Baltimore Colts. And basically, back in those days, you could just, I guess, switch ownership of teams. So he took over the Los Angeles Rams, and she used to be a singer. She wasn't a showgirl. Um, And then the other inspiration was uh, this guy named uh, Griffith. I can't remember his first name. I think it was Calvin Griffith. He uh, The, The Twins owner? Yeah, he moved the Washington Senators to Minneapolis. And there was a rumor that he was going to try to move them again, 
but then uh, Carl Pollard inter- yeah, intervened. He, he, he wanted to move them to Florida, and that's maybe where they're blending in multiple inspirations here. Yeah, and it, um, it's, it, I, one of the things that jumped out to me, again, was, you know, I saw a couple World Series losses in the 90s, and uh, one of them was to the basically textbook Rena team of the Florida Marlins, and that's where Rachel Phelps wanted to move the team. She wanted to move them to Miami. It's just weird how stuff like that happens. You know, it's like yeah. art, art imitating life and vice versa. Oh, it's yeah. so profound. Yes, it is. Yeah, just like uh, a lot of people try to make close connections with uh, Back to the Future 2, almost predicting the Cubs winning the World Series. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, th- they were a bit off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, the Rachel Phelps character, it's funny, she's supposed to be the villain, but it's just like, again, you know, this movie's very surfacy, and there's not a lot of villain presence. It's more of like the, these guys going up against the, the task of the game and, and, and what, it, what it takes. Like, the, the villain is their situation that they're put in here because she's she pokes her head in a few times i if i had to guess she has four minutes of screen time in this movie you know what i mean like it's not a lot by any stretch of the imagination and i'm not even including the cardboard cutout they use of her <laughs> she she's in she's in the first few minutes of the beginning of the movie she she rolls through in the middle slaps per, uh, serrano's ass and then uh, she, <laughs> she, she, she she's at the end showing Get- how depressed she is when they're winning Gets the synchronized bird, which was a pretty good sight gag. That that is a very good sight gag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's team unity right there. There was an alternate ending where she actually reveals Awful. that. Oh yeah. Well, why don't you why don't you talk about it then? No, please. You do always do this stuff better than me. Uh, well, it was basically there was going to be an alternate ending where this whole thing was a, a ploy. It was like a high level management ploy because the team was in dire financial straits. And everything was necessary to motivate the team to be a winner. So there's no real clear... If they did that, there would... Like you you just said, there was a pretty thin... Like, she's an antagonist, but she's a pretty thin one. And there would be there would be nobody. It would just be... <laughs> Awful. It'd be like the closest thing to an antagonist would be Dorn. <laughs> right. And, and, and we like we like him. Like, he's the... That's, that kind of scumbag that we kind of like in these movies where you, 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 he's not like he's not a real villain he's just a kind of he's just kind of an asshole but yeah he, he's just self-interested and he has interests outside the game and he yeah. uh t- he doesn't uh take kindly to the rookies and takes right. that a little too far and it all makes him pretty unlikable until probably the last 10 minutes of the movie right and then they <laughs> try to replace him with jack parkman in the sequel in terms of that type of attitude except parkman <laughs> was a better player but and, yeah. and way and way better at it Parkman was a way Parkman was a way better heel than Roger Dorn. He, he was. <laughs> I agree. Um, uh, what's that bit? I know we're not doing Major League Two a lot here, but oh. and Omar Omar Epps plays uh, yeah. Willie Mays Hayes in the sequel. Wesley Snipes didn't come back, but he <laughs> says if I get on base or if I if I come to score, I'm, I don't intend on sliding. Oh, it was because, it was because yeah, he, uh, Parkman Parkman gets traded in the movie, and he he's like he's doing what catchers do. He's trying to get in the hitter's head. He's like, and he had this movie that he came out with called Black Hammer White Lightning that he starred in with Jesse the Mind Ventura, and it flopped really hard. And so he comes up to the plate, and Parkman's like, "Hey, Black Hammer, I read some <laughs> right. of your reviews, man. Said Willie Mays Hayes couldn't play dead." And then he tells him he he doesn't intend to slide. He's like, "You don't. 
you better, little man. Just because your movie bombed doesn't mean you have to commit suicide. <laughs> I like. I even like the trailer for White Lightning, Black Hammer. He's like, mine fell the hardest. <laughs> mine are the deadest. White Lightning, Black Thunder. <laughs> 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 the Major League Two is pretty good. I gotta say, dude. Uh, like, I-, I was talking about how Tom Berenger doesn't really contribute a lot to the comedy, but that scene you're talking about where they're watching the trailer and he. And and he just get, he just holds his hand up and his mouth agape at what he's looking at. Like that's a great that's a great like just <laughs> just reaction shot. He's just like uh, like he can't believe what he's seeing because it's just such trash. <laughs> it's it almost sometimes feels like Major League Two is more of an '80s movie than Major League. If you can if you can believe that. Yeah, um, I mean it has a lot more. Uh, Major League Two has a little bit more going on, like with um. You know, like I mentioned, the guy's trying to go corporate, and then, uh, you know, Wild Thing has that new girlfriend who's also, like, his PR flack. Oh, that was so stupid. That, and that, wasn't, that, wasn't that also the chick who was the bad guy in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? The evil blonde chick? Were they? Was that the same actress, or were they different ones? Oh, God. Maybe. I think so. I think her name was Allison Duty, maybe? Yeah, Duty. <laughs> <laughs> Even Euchre was might have been better in Major League Two. Yeah, dude, I I love that scene where he's just like he's just completely hammered. He's in a wife beater. He's like, take over, buddy. I'm in the bag. I'm he's in just... the bag. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did uh, we did kind of sleep on how Bob Euchre was. I think Bob Euchre was probably the best part of this whole movie. I had that in my notes, dude. All like... all things considered, and it was interesting because he got cast. It's just it's just so funny how dumb luck happens in some Hollywood productions. Like David Ward supposedly liked his work on Mr. Belvedere, and he had no idea that that guy was doing commentary for the for the Milwaukee Brewers for two decades, or that he or that he was a baseball player in his own right. <laughs> Bob Euchre played ball, dude. Right, right. It was like he, I, I believe he was a very Mendoza line hitter. Yeah. Yeah, he was not. He was not good by any stretch. Uh, just to confirm, you are absolutely right. Uh, Ms. Duty certainly <laughs> played Elsa in Last Crusade, and she was uh, Wild Things. Well, the ex Wild Things girlfriend in Major League Two. So yeah. good, good on you, Mike. I almost, I almost like myself for making that connection. No, I'm just playing around. Yeah, <laughs> no chance you like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no chance uh, Ed, Eddie Harris has a better chance of reaching home plate on his curveball than you do at liking yourself Mike um, yeah, yeah I have it, I have in my notes here Bob Uger puts the movie over uh, because of his long time being a baseball guy a commentator for the Milwaukee Brewers his humor he uh, involves a lot of the um, euphemisms from the game that he learned in his improvisation uh, in this movie. So he would have lines, but he would also throw a lot of things in there. Like he led the league in home runs and nose hairs, you know, like (laughs) he said he would add stuff like that because of things he remembered hearing in dugouts or around the game. Mm -hmm. And that adds a certain level of clout to this movie that maybe if they just had, you know, Joe actor in there, I don't want to give throw shade at a legend, but you know, like John Candy in uh, rookie of the year, Mm-hmm. plays a similar role maybe it doesn't uh carry the the same cloud it does with baseball fans and i do really appreciate knowing that bob Euchre is legit and in, in the booth and and calling the action in this in this movie i think it 
I think it does add, give it a little, a uh, little more juice. Yeah, and uh, you know, this isn't one of those movies that people are going to dissect and be like, "Wow, I mean, this was just a mastercraft of writing and directing and stuff." But one of the things that David Ward did really well was he encouraged Bob Euchre to improvise, and like a lot of the best lines. Or some of the like more, more well-known lines, I should say. I get a little too superlative sometimes when I talk about things. But he said, like, like when he goes, when, like, what, like what, during one of uh, Sheed's wild pitches, he's like, just a bit outside. Like that was <laughs> that. And then like, there's a scene where he's like, he he's like dabbing whiskey behind his ear because he just loves it so much. He's like treating it like <laughs> cologne. I missed that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, yeah. Man. yeah. Yeah, I, I picked that up in the reading. I, I I saw him like dabbing his ear, but I thought I didn't really catch that he like did it with Jack Daniels, and he's just oh like he was just treating it like high karate. Because... Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, and ball four, ball eight, ball twelve. <laughs> um, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff, and it, people use a lot of his lines today. Even sports announcers use lines from that movie baseball announcers use it in actual game calling stuff and and reference it and that sort of thing and correct me if i'm wrong i don't know if he retired but he was doing it up until recently still for the brewers bob Euchre. i'm not uh, sure i'll i'll defer to you on that um, yeah i i mean I, I i'm pretty sure he was i don't know if he retired or not because he's, he's got to be way up there at this point he's 87 yeah um, al, al pacino turned 81 today Hoo-ah. Yeah, his uh, his shoe lifts are forty eight, and his wig is thirty five. Hey! We got to cue a band with that joke. <laughs> Did the guy who played Michael Corleone deserve that? I'm not entirely sure, but I went with I, it. I, I Pacino after like 1990 really took a dive. Yeah, I liked Heat. Heat, the Heat's be. like one of my favorite movies, but um, yeah, it was once he see the thing. My theory about Al Pacino is that he did his best work in the seventies. He was in both Godfather movies, and then in the late, he was in Dog Day Afternoon, and I think he, he was in And Justice for All. I think that came out in nineteen eighty, and he did his best work, and he didn't win an Oscar for that. Then he does Scent of a Woman. And he wins an Oscar for that, and then all of a sudden he becomes this overblown caricature of himself, and he's just been doing that ever since. Plus, if anyone remembers from our RoboCop program, also ripping off Kurtwood Smith's performance as Clarence Boddicker. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I, there's, there's still movies of his I liked post nineteen ninety, but for the most part, he really like slid. Like, you know, Heat is good. Uh, he's very good in Donnie Brasco. Um, a lot of people like devil's advocate um but we're talking about 30 years and i'm trying to find al pacino movies that's not really a good sign right so but anyway this is not mike this is not an al pacino podcast today (laughs) well yeah i don't know i just thought i'd bring it up because it was his birthday today no um... no i know i know and he did he did play a coach in uh, any given sunday um who knows how he would have done playing the coach of the indians but i'll stick (laughs) i'll stick with our boy lou brown he also played joe paterno that's Yikes. right. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Jeez. Yikes indeed. That is freaking weird. Well, let's let's get back to the lovable losers of the mistake by the lake. Let's uh let's do that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, speaking of the lovable losers, 
You know, the Indians still haven't won a World Series they since have this not. movie came out. And the as you said towards the top, the director writer himself said the reason he wrote this is because he wanted to see his team win. But the funniest part is they don't win the World Series. And we learned that in Major League Two, that they got knocked out in the LCS by the White Sox. Which is... Parkman which completely squares with that kind of thing happening in real life sometimes like a like a team uses it's like it uses all its juice to get to the big to get to the dance and then they just don't have anything left look look at um the Oakland Athletics Moneyball you know the Mm. big deal with Billy Bean and Moneyball and you know we're gonna go by on base percentage not big contracts and they found a winning formula but they couldn't get it done because Derek Jeter knew where to be at the right time and flip a ball and tag out a non-sliding Jeremy Giambi should have slid, would have changed the future of that and made Moneyball an actually interesting movie, which it isn't because the Oakland A's stink and they didn't win shit. Man, I was going to come out with, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I kind of enjoyed it. I could have done without Jonah Hill, like always. Okay, (laughs) right. All right, It, it is a good movie, but I just... I'm tired of hearing about how big of a genius Billy Bean is because he hasn't won anything. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's. I mean, you're you're just going to the scoreboard argument, is what. <laughs> fine, fine, but I mean, the guy has one thing going for him. He can say that they thought Brad Pitt would be a good version of him. Mm-hmm. He can always say that. That's true. For me, they'd probably cast Dave Coulier or something. <laughs> I don't even want to. I don't want to think about who they would cast for me. It would be like some. It'd be like some like hook nosed dude they saw. Somebody saw at a metal show. Okay, that guy has a beard and glasses. He kind of looks like you. He has a big nose. It's like that guy's not even famous or good looking. Our, our audience is like, what do these fucking guys look like? They have no idea. Um, all right, so uh, I think I gave a pretty solid description, but um, yeah, the know. cops the cops will find you in minutes. I wouldn't yeah, worry about it. They will. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I mean, some of these guys did do other baseball work. Charlie Sheen was an eight men out before this, so maybe mm-hmm. that was another part of him getting this gig. Uh, Dennis Hasbert uh, played a fictional baseball player in Mr. Baseball. He was in that movie with Tom Selleck. And Wesley Snipes, obviously, in The Fan with Robert De Niro. He played, like, the Barry Bonds uh, character. Probably also didn't have to throw in that movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he, you know, he he's fast. We You know, you see him run in these movies, and you see he looks like he can sprint. And um, I was fooled in White Man Can't Jump with his athletic skills. But, yeah, I, I don't – it's hard to fake looking like a baseball player. And I remember – I don't know if you saw the movie 61 where they, they retold yeah. the story. Yeah, they retold the story of Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. And I thought that was a great baseball movie, even though it was low budget. Mm-hmm. They really worked hard to get those guys to look like ball players. And I remember Billy Crystal saying like he insisted that they looked good and looked like Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris in terms of how they swung, how they played the game, how they threw. And I respect the hell out of that because mm-hmm. – Sometimes I feel like these movie makers, especially in the 80s, really took their audience for granted and insulted their intelligence by saying, like, they won't know the difference whether this guy looks like he's a pitcher or not. But, like, 
And maybe not. Maybe a lot of people who went didn't even think about it. But me as a baseball fan and a, a kid who grew up playing baseball every year, it I like I appreciate the Kevin Costners of the world who are like, this is how you're supposed to look hitting and throwing a baseball. Right, right. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh like like I said so, like you said actually the um yeah watching a nearly fifty year old guy try to throw a a pitch which if you've never actually tried that it's a and you ha- and it's a humbling experience to try to make a ball go sixty and a half feet into a you know into a like a three into like a two by three box like yeah. it's it is like I I tried it once and I was humiliated because I had never <laughs> tried it before and I and as I said I I don't have much of an arm or um, athletic acumen but. I don't know. I, I, I liked, uh, you know, this was one of those movies that I think it kind of, you know, it, it was made on a modest budget, made $75 million. So I think it just came out of nowhere. And uh, in the, was it the 80s where you first started seeing the movie? Because, well, the Bad News Bears came out in the late 70s, right? I never, or the mid 70s. I never saw it. But um, some of the, like the, the feel good ragtag bunch of, you know that like that, that whole thing i think that kind of started in the mid 70s with the bad news bears cuz yeah, like, like slap shot mm, yeah um, yeah bad, bad news bears slap shot um i know there's there's got to be other iterations in the 80s i mean you have uh more character driven ones like lucas about the kid who wants to play on the football team and mm-hmm. there there's there's a lot of those types of stories i mean hoosiers right i don't know uh if that counts but th- those stories lived it's 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 like one of those types of stories that uh can be continuously told because it's just something people want to root you always want to root for the underdog right so it's always like that story you always, you always want to get behind the underdog and and beat the david you know the david versus goliath type of situation like miracle you know the miracle on ice and then they made that movie in 2003 which i absolutely love um but then you have you know movies like The Replacements, uh, which is about you know the football strike, and you got Gene Hackman and, and uh, Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. and you know we're we're gonna keep seeing these types of movies pop up all the time because it's just that type of thing where, you know your your working class type of people love to see that story because they see themselves in those characters and like they like seeing the the little guy get the win. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something inherent about that that draws an audience to that and i i i'm right there with that i love seeing those types of stories yeah you got the you know um the you've got the manager of the toledo mudhens leading a team from 500 ball to glory with yeah. a with an old was that a was that a legit old showgirl poster they dug up or did they just put her head on something that's a good question that is a really good question. Um, I couldn't figure I'm, it out from watching. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I would think just from. Uh, my guess would be they put her head on something. That's yeah, that'd probably um, be the easier thing than tracking down an old car- cardboard cutout of her Vegas showgirl days. Yeah, like how much legwork is he doing there? Um, <laughs> yeah, you're. you're he, not, he's running there. a baseball team. He doesn't have time to do that. <laughs> He's like, he's like, oh, I got to get a cardboard guy yeah. and I got to get a signed company to make this thing up. And then I got to get someone to make the jigsaw pieces. Um, no, but I mean, that's a great bit, though. That is a really yeah. funny bit. I really mm-hmm. like that bit a lot. And it's another one of those like a, a lot of the locker room scenes in this movie are memorable, especially the one where that, you know, he reveals finally reveals to the team that 
this is it for them. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, and that they that they rip this straight off in replacements where he says like, this is it. So either win or that's it. So we we have our chance here. And then Jake Taylor stands up. Tom Berenger. He's like, there's only one thing left to do when the whole fucking thing. <laughs> and I love that. I use that. I use that line in that gif for all, all situations where you're like, you know, I, there's only one thing we can do here. And it's just, I, I love the inspiration in that and just his attitude mm. and just like, let's just, let's just win to spite this woman <laughs> who's trying to destroy our team and destroy what we got going on. She brought us here because she thought we were a joke and now we're going to show mm. her what's up. I, I love, I, I love that stuff, man. Mm. I absolutely love it. I, I was, I'm totally suckered into that type of stuff. Yeah, it it tugs right? on your heartstrings. It does. It mm. does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but then of course there's the love story, which is uh, like you said, you know, Jake Taylor is the straight character here, and they have to implement some sense of romance here. So there's a little depth to this thing, and then they bring in Renee Russo, who is relatively an unknown at this point mm-hmm. in the game in '89. This is before she enters the Lethal Weapon franchise, before she uh, starts uh, getting involved in um, her peak, which is probably late '90s, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and uh, also Wesley Snipes was new too, but um, you know. I again, you know, they they inject some of these scenes in here that stick with you along that same pattern of the working guy against high society and what better scene than when he follows her to what he thinks is her house mm. and it's her, you know, soon to be fiance's or her fiance's apartment and he just he's like the quintessential uh dick like uh <laughs> very like very similar to like how Ellis tries to be with John McClane in mm. Die Hard, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like it, it, to on one hand you're like you're you're thinking to yourself, it, it's like, well, what would you do in that situation? It's like a professional ball player who used to be who used to date your fiance comes rolling into the scene, and you don't like, but then you know he's just a you know white white collar tool about it. So yeah, um, right, right. Sometimes there's just. There's just no no fighting the tide, I would say, in that in that particular situation. And then you have, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, James Gammon's performance, and for some reason, it always cracks me up when he's just like, "Shut up, Dorn." About <laughs> when he pisses on his contract. Yeah, he pisses on his guy, con- and then he's like, he's just standing there naked when uh, when the owner comes in, and he's like, "We're out of towels, and I'm too old to go diving behind lockers." <laughs> I, 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 you got to respect his uh, piss flow. Mm. Like, did, does he just either have to piss at all times, or was he ready to roll, knowing that there was a chance he was going to have to pee on something out there to teach him a lesson? I mean, he didn't do it very long, so no. But I mean, it happened that's... quickly, so he had a good prostate. Good for I, him. I would just call that a Hollywood conceit to be able to to um, okay. urinate okay. on command like that, and then just cut the flow, yeah. and and not dribble. That's a good point. No dribble. Good for him. I know he he clearly has heart problems because a season later he has a heart attack. Yeah. But uh, the prostate working well. So good for good for uh, Lou Brown. Um. So I, I had to check into one of the lines that uh, going back to the apartment, the um, Lynn's boyfriend's apartment when they have those elderly guests over for whatever reason <laughs> uh just like yeah let's just throw an old lady in here who doesn't know that cleveland still has a baseball team um and she says uh well how good are you and he says i make the league minimum which i looked it up mm-hmm. 
was like 68 grand back then. I yeah. Think, yep. Which is twice the average income. Yeah. of uh, the normal person. So he was do- still doing pretty well for himself. And yeah. they, they, they snooted it off as though uh, he was a, a grocery bagger. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and part of it was the way you framed it. It was like they pay you based on how good you are. They're like, well, how much do you make? And he's like, I make the league minimum. <laughs> yeah, but still making... I mean, from whatever he was doing before... Uh, down in Mexico, here he is now making some decent bank. So I would guess stewardesses mostly. Yeah, I That's mean, yeah. Let, let's be honest. Jake Taylor is not a good guy. No, no. He's not. He's not a good guy. But he's like kind of like represents the one more chance in a lot of uh, people. And it's funny. Like now that you and I, you know, we're in our late thirties. Um, you know, we probably watched this movie more from his character perspective than we do as we watched as a kid where we're like oh we want to i want to grow up to be a major league baseball player i want to be rick vaughn and now it's like that that dream is gone so Mm -hmm. now i'm looking at this guy who's getting a second shot to push the sun up in the sky one more time and do something special and it's that sort of thing in life you're like yeah so i i'm not too old to blank i can still do this and it's Mm -hmm. like it's funny how you take a movie that you liked and you watched as a kid and then you watch it now and maybe you watch it from the different perspective, almost like how now that I'm a dad, sometimes I watch the movies I grew up with and I'm like, yeah, maybe I kind of relate to Eugene Levy's character in American Pie now because of, you know, or something like that. It's just weird how you, you can change your perspective on the same movie, even though you yourself haven't changed much. I don't know how to explain that other than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and the whole parenting thing. I mean, it gets a lot tougher, even in fictional, to in, in works of fiction, to watch harm come to children. Um, yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, I've I've yeah. heard that from my uh, all my friends who have who have children. But uh, in any event, yeah, the the yeah, major league was. Um, I mean, what did you think of like, revisiting it overall? I mean, I know we've we've kind of gone on a lot of digressions, but. Yeah, I, I um, I, I still enjoyed it. Uh, it's it, it's a fun movie. It um, you know, I, it's nothing anyone should look at too much as an art piece by any stretch. But it's entertaining. It's fun. It makes you think of good times, which is being at a ballpark and uh, having a beer, having a hot dog, watching a baseball team play. And you know, I think a lot of us took that took uh, took that for granted um, with what's been going on with the pandemic. Um, mm. Which obviously you 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 just had a bit of a bout with yourself with the COVID thing. Yeah. Um, if anybody heard me cough, and I apologize. Um, yeah, I'm on the tail end of recovering from uh, COVID nineteen. So, uh, what I would say to anybody who hasn't had it yet and hasn't been vaccinated is, and it's only my account. So you know, there's a lot of variants out there, and different people react to it differently, and. Uh, it's a very polarizing topic because people want to get back to life to normal. But I mean, it's not even the sickest I've been in the past five years. Like there were moments where I was coughing really hard and I thought I was going to like pop an eyeball out, but that only lasted for like a couple days. And, yeah. uh, I did lose my sense of uh, taste and smell, but they came back within about a week and a half. And now I'm just kind of riding it out. So, um, and I was taking a lot of precautions, and uh, I guess if it's, 
I, I and it made me feel stupid because I have friends who just didn't give a shit and were just doing whatever they wanted, and then they got the virus like two or three months before I did. It's just kind of uh, interesting that it, it happened to hit right. It would be like the week I was eligible for the vaccine, I got it. So I it wouldn't have mattered if I got my first dose or not. Yeah. So um, yeah. Thanks for asking, man. No, I'm feeling okay. I uh, you know I I I don't think it was too severe. I was just really worried about it because I have a history of uh, kind of. Uh, regular illnesses like just what there's a bug going around it just kind of settles in my chest and i have a cough that lingers for weeks so i thought the covid would hit me a lot harder but um thankfully it didn't and you're uh, back and i'm yeah, i'm back so um so so t- just to be clear for our audience you know michael jordan did the food poisoning game but Mike Mateo did a covid 19 lethal weapon podcast <laughs> that's and right i that cannot be understated. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks for the uh, thanks for the props on that. I uh, that was when I thought what I had was a sinus infection, and right. uh, and uh, the next day I was told to go get a COVID test, and it, and I failed it. So then after right. that, it was this weird psychosomatic thing. I think where t- within twenty four hours I couldn't taste or smell anymore, and my cough got really severe. Um, right. But the first like, week, the first week I had it, I thought I had a sinus infection, and like my nose was bleeding. That was like the only dude, thing that was really going that, on. That yeah. Before we recorded the Lethal Weapon podcast, you had I said like, yeah, you don't think it's COVID, do you? And you're like, nah, I don't think so. I think it's just a sinus infection or something like that. And then you you go on this hero's journey and knock out this <laughs> podcast with a disease that has shut down countries. <laughs> And you did it like a pro. No one even knew any better. Well, well, thanks, man. I mean, I didn't know any better at the time. So yeah. well, it was, there, uh... <laughs> there you have it. Um, so, uh, yeah, re- revisiting this, I had, yeah, I had to bring that up because uh, I'm glad, glad you're better. And because uh, doing this podcast by myself, if you, if COVID got you, would have been uh, not as fun. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. If it had been the Indian strain, you might have had to do a seance for this one. <laughs> yeah and you know let alone you know i you know our friendship and all that stuff too of course, you know um, Natch, naturally right naturally um <laughs> so yeah revisit was good on this one mike um i don't know how you felt about it on the revisit did you always love major league i know we usually when we joke with our fan uh, our friends a lot of times we're quoting major league too just because it's more of the over-the-top uh, humor but in this case i think it's it's just one of those things where it's subjective. Like I saw Major League Two first. It made more of an impression. Like that brand of humor was more. And then when you go back and you watch the kind of the the uncut, unfiltered, no chaser Major League as it was intended to be seen, it's kind of it, it's kind of jarring. Like I said before, but it doesn't make it bad. But uh, like one of the things I just noticed was just how these movies sometimes they seem so much bigger when you're younger. And then this one, it's just like, it's so surface level because they have to cover so much stuff in an acceptable, commercially viable amount of time for a motion picture. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I, I think they did a good job in it and I really liked revisiting some of the performances. But the, I, do, I do remember though that there were some things I was waiting for to happen that happened in Major League 2 that didn't. Like where where Dorn gets beat and he just goes, oh god, and he falls. Oh, I, that is one of the funniest bits, without a doubt. Yeah, and then he doesn't want the pinch runner. Yeah. yeah. Um. What well, one thing that I do find funny is Charlie Sheen definitely takes baseball seriously, 
um, he recently, I think it was maybe shortly after his mania of like 2011, he was like taking BP at Tiger or uh, Dodger Stadium, and he was like, he may have even like put one out, but he. Yeah, it's been widely known that or or believed that this movie really set the new trend of relief pitchers coming out to music. Oh, and yeah, there, there. You know, obviously, my guy Mariano Rivera with mm. Enter Sandman. That's uh, been this huge thing. That's almost it's almost like the Undertaker of of baseball uh, for entrances. But um, you know, there were a lot of pitchers who really came close to biting off the wild thing. And uh, Mitch Williams was one. He was mm-hmm. a, a very wild relief pitcher. He was on the Phillies for a long time. I think he may have been the pitcher who gave up Joe Carter's home run. Uh, that famous uh, touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life for the <laughs> Blue Jays. But he he wore number 99, and they called him the wild thing. And apparently Charlie Sheen didn't like any of that because none of these pitchers gave him credit. And I know Charlie <laughs> Sheen has... Charlie Sheen obviously has a big ego about him, and he has no reason to deserve credit for this. He was an actor in a movie that someone else wrote. <laughs> and um, But I find that funny that it kind of created this trend of that sort of thing. And just as recently as last year, the Cleveland Indians have a pitcher, James Karinchak, who is, I believe, now trying to be their closer. And he walks around like the, just this punk when he strikes people out, like he's this big shot. And the guy throws steam, but he wears number 99, he comes out to the song Wild Thing. And last year in the playoffs, he came he was playing the Yankees in the division series. And he did the Rick Vaughn buzz cut <laughs> in his hair. And he gave up a grand slam to Gio Urshel and the, the Indians <laughs> lost the series. <laughs> that is not like, that's not Hollywood. Most- Unless, it was so enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, that's not Hollywood unless you're watching a movie about how like this historically great franchise just steamrolls all these small market teams in their, <laughs> in their conference. <laughs> so, so in, in the movie version, that series takes place in the first act, and, and, and Gio Urshela is just like a total scumbag. But in real life, he's a decent guy who just took this punk yard. And then the, the front office drama is like, oh, oh, our payroll's only 285 this year. It's like, oh, come on. How are we going to put a team together with 285? <laughs> 285 million? That's nothing. <laughs> Dude, that might be the... that. Do you think that, that a movie like that would have like a weird kind of ironic appeal? It's like, instead of the, uh, the scrappy underdog story, it's the polished machine that's won the most world series in, in 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 league history and it's about how they run and it's about their it's about their drama it's like they lose game three and everybody's losing their shit because <laughs> because they only have a 2-1 lead i you know what i'll say this it's worth trying just because <laughs> the, the the underdog story thing has happened so much that it's maybe played out yeah yeah like it would be funny to see like the other side and see how that works out because there yeah there there is certainly that element of it where it's um you know like seeing uh the drago side of things or the russian hockey team side of the 1980 olympics or the bad kids and the mighty ducks who are like (laughs) the good peewee hockey players or even uh what is that the little giants uh the cowboys of the little giants (laughs) like there's so 
there's so many of these movies that were made where it's the the underdog kids who who put put together their equipment using mom's salad bowls as their helmets mm. and stuff and they wind up like you know doing all right and uh you know major league is the adult comedy version of that and may, maybe that's the allure of major league is that it's an r-rated comedy that has that trope that we've seen a lot in family films and disney films mm. and instead of instead we get to see guys you know sleeping with women promiscuously mm. whether it's their their teammates wives uh he didn't know, know. he swears to god i, I didn't know who she was <laughs> I, I swear to god i swear to god man <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know drinking doing all this debauchery yeah. and, and uh and cursing and all that stuff and, and maybe it's the you know the r-rated version of that and maybe there wasn't too many of these where that was the draw it was like oh we get to have our adult comedy version of this and 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 maybe that's why but it's you know it's held up and, and it, it's it's referenced a lot in pop culture still and uh I, you know i don't know if it's because there's hasn't been a lot of good baseball comedies or or necessarily great sports comedies since then. I mean, I can't think of many better since 1989 for sports comedies that are better than Major League. I mean, I liked uh, White Men Can't Jump, um, which is, you know, that's not really about, that's about sports, but it's not about organized sports, really. Um, yeah, right. You know, you have... Uh, What's another? God, there's more. Like any given Sunday had its moments, but it was a pretty over the top. Yeah, like um, the replacements was okay, but you know b- because I'm a Gene Hackman fan. But no, but any given Sunday wasn't a comedy. What am I talking about? Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can go with, like, I think Happy Gilmore is one of the better ones. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know I I liked uh, Goon. That hockey movie Goon was good. Yeah, but... Goon was pretty obscure though. Like that was. That was yeah. pretty obscure. Yeah, and you know, I I'm, I'm trying to look now, like cheating a little bit here, but there mm. hasn't. I mean, maybe our audience can hit us up with some. I mean, but uh, there's not a lot that I'm loving here. Yeah, dodgeball. Like, what are we doing here? Oh, Talladega Do- Nights. Dodgeball was funny. I forgot. Dodgeball. About. Yeah. Oh yeah. But that's not like. But sure. that's not like a real sport. It's an underdog right. story, and it's about it. Like dodgeballs. I don't care if they put it on ESPN, the Ocho. It's a game. It's not a sport. Yeah. Or Kingpin. Kingpin's a good one. Kingpin's. Yeah, Kingpin's great. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah, you touched on a lot of the stuff. Like, I like to get into the, you know, kind of the the lasting impact of something or its cultural legacy. But you touched on a lot of it, man, pretty organically. You know, the the co-opting. I mean, I didn't even think of the thing about how... Uh, pitchers started using music to come out but then uh, you know how wild thing is associated with with pitchers and people are co-opting that moniker and um you know even in the even in the go ahead what were you gonna say Uh, i was gonna say real quick about the wild thing i for the longest time just assumed that was a version done by joan jett and it's apparently not and it's it's wildly widely mistaken that it's joan jett but it's a band called x and the mm. singer just sounds a little bit like Joan Jett. Um, and I, I learned that prepping for this movie. So, you know, I love... That's another element, like I keep saying, why we love doing this podcast. I would have put money... If I was out somewhere and one of our buddies was was betting me on this, I'd, I'd throw $20, I'd slam it down and say, that's Joan Jett, 100%. Yeah, it's Singing good. the wild thing. 
Yeah. It's not, I, but it's not. I, I, I thought know. so too. And uh, yeah, when you when we do this, it's like it's just it's just so. One of the things I thought was interesting about this movie was it was a good it was a good underdog story. And it was it was funny, and there was uh, they covered a lot of stuff in a very short amount of time. But it's also the fact that it it was tied to real people and real events that inspired it like it wasn't a true story or anything but like how wild thing was this pitcher named ryan duran who actually pitched for the yankees back in the day or um even pedro serrano was supposedly inspired by amalgamate like a combination of a couple players um one of them was wade boggs because they just took his superstition and his love like wade boggs had to eat i think he, he had to eat fried chicken before every game which that is was, yeah crazy. Which, he did. He did. He did. Yeah. What? Yeah. There's one qu- one quote about that guy Ryan Duran, who Rick Vaughn's based off of. Uh huh. From Casey Stengel, the longtime legendary Yankees manager, <sighs> and he said, "I love this quote. I I, I I may try to use this quote in other elements, <laughs> but he said, I would not admire hitting against Ryan Duran because if he ever hit you in the head, mm. you might be in the past tense." That's pretty good. Right. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, you know, the, the the effect this movie had, it was like, it's, the Indians even have kind of co-opted a lot of the stuff. Like, during the 2016 World Series run, which was just so bizarre for the city of Cleveland to win an NBA championship, its first one ever, overcoming a 3-1 deficit, only to lose the World Series when holding a 3-1 lead. I was, rude. I was rude lead, for them. Yeah, well, I mean, being a, being a, I'm not a huge baseball fan, so I can't say I'm like, oh, I'm ride or die with the Indians because I'm not, you know, I, I, I casually follow them and I, I remember a lot of stuff from the past and, you know, the World Series losses were all pretty tough and this one was tough, but it's like, if it had to be any team, like the Cubs, I mean, that's the one you could be the least mad at. It wasn't like it was the Dodgers. You know, just yeah, just yeah, the West Coast version of the Yankees, just with their insane payroll and just trying to bring everybody in. But like, you know, the Cubs hadn't won one. If any team deserved it more, maybe not deserved it, but were due, it would be the Cubs. But it was just the, so- the, the only thing I don't like about that are the bandwagon Cub fans who who started like all of a sudden like you know you have the, all the Cub fans who suffered for decades and decades and decades, and then you have these people who. Maybe they moved to Chicago yeah. to work there for a little bit. They're all of a sudden they're the Cubs fans and they're in Wrigleyville and it's just like, shut up! You're, you've been a Yankees fan your whole life. Just yeah, they, they moved to Chicago like two years ago to take a job with an advertising agency, right? And, or and it would be even worse. It, the the what would layer that whole thing would be like if you talk to one of those people and it's like, oh, where are you from originally? It's it's from some town that has like a really rich baseball tradition. Like, oh, I'm from St. Louis originally. It's like you you suck. Like, <laughs> like I know Cooperstown, New York. <laughs> but the, um, yeah, the you know you have the the effect, like kind of the major league effect, how it's just kind of seeped into baseball and seeped into popular culture. But then you know you've got the two sequels, which we talked about, Major League Two, maybe a little bit too much, but and then you have Major League Back to the Miners, which was definitely like the um, copy of a copy of a copy. Um, Which they tried to go back up to PG-13. So is this the only film series that has all three ratings in it? Oh, that's a good, that, that would be a good one. I, I can't... Nothing. they went from R to PG back up to PG-13. Yeah, and it didn't... 
That didn't help, and neither did the inclusion of Scott Bakula. Yeah, right. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and as you said, um, from you know, looking at Hollywood, this movie, you know, Wesley Snipes, I kind of launched his career. Renee Russo, I think this was like her first big movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, Charlie Sheen had been in Platoon and he'd been in a few other things, but I think you could make the argument that as far as movie roles go, this might be the one he's most well known for. I he- would say so. And I, I think he <clears throat> loves uh, the character still. And I, I believe as recently as a few years ago, he was trying, I know you hate this, when the old guys try to get this stuff going again, he was trying to get another movie made that would forego the third movie um, and, and um, maybe, I don't know, bring these guys back as coaches or, or, or whatever. Um, but because, uh, you know, what's his name? Get, uh, who plays Lou Brown died a while ago, yeah. like ten, 10 years ago. James Gammon, I think his name James is. James Gammon, yeah, he passed away. He, he just always seemed like he was an unhealthy guy anyway, but he passed away like it. Um, yeah, the, the voice, the pot belly. Yeah. That's, yeah, uh, right. He didn't right. He didn't have a healthy look about him. No, he didn't. He didn't. And, mm. you know, it, it's funny because he was uh, 49 when he did Major League, but damn it if he couldn't have been 69. Yeah, like, it looked, looked, like looked like a nice uh, weathered 64 with that walrus right. mustache and that, that voice that sounds like he's been smoking two packs of Winston since he was 12. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Two packs yeah. a day. Uh, Dennis Haysbert was pretty pretty uh, obscure too and now he's the voice of Allstate among other things and yeah he, he, I think his only other big role was uh, he somehow landed the role of the president in uh, Kiefer Sutherland's 24 yeah that was that was years later years no later. I, I know yeah. I know it's just interesting how, how that happens but mm-hmm. uh, yeah um, I feel like if you ask somebody they would probably the average person would probably identify him more as the Allstate guy than even Pedro Serrano. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that voice, that's Allstate stand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember him from, uh, he was in a movie called Absolute Power, and he was a like, he was like a corrupt Secret Service agent. Are you talking about the Clint Eastwood movie? Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. You, yeah, you forgot he was in it. <laughs> I did forget he was in it. He was, he was uh, partnered up with Scott Glenn, and he was the more... Amoral of the the Secret Service fixers that were trying to clean up after the president, who all he, Every, who, yeah, he, Scott Scott Glenn's always the least moral. No, 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 it was the other way around. Dennis Haysbert was the amoral one. He was the one. Oh, who, really? Yeah, Scott Glenn. Yeah, he he uh, killed himself out of guilt he, towards the end of that movie for uh, being, apparently. I need to rewatch that one. Yeah. Yeah, um, Scott Glenn always because he played the the scumbag firefighter in Backdraft. Yeah, and uh, he was the scumbag in Urban Cowboy. I know that's one of your favorite movies, so I thought I'd bring and that. He, and he was also a scumbag in Training Day. <laughs> Not as big of a scumbag as Denzel Washington, though. Ultimately, Denzel was a big scumbag in that movie. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, as far as Major League goes, I mean, my I. I mean, I I didn't think this was gonna be a long program because the movie is just, I mean, it's 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 entertaining. It's I think it's, it was one of the better sports movies in the '80s, and as you make the distinction, sports comedies especially, because I mean, there were some pretty heavyweight movies that came out in the '80s, like you had the na- like the Natural came out, and um, Field what Field of Dreams was that in the '80s or did that come out in 1990? Field of Dreams. Which one? Field of Dreams. Uh, Field of Dreams 89, I think. Yeah, so it came out the same year. 
Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I just there there wasn't a whole lot of material with this movie because I think it was just a kind of like a pretty minor production. But it is like it is a cool comeback story for a pretty accomplished writer and director, and it launched a lot of careers and uh, ultimately kind of made its impression on baseball itself, which a lot yeah. of which a lot of movies. A lot of movies that maybe were more well regarded or more serious about baseball didn't really do. So that's, that's a, such a great point, man. You're absolutely right because, like, st- st- like people aren't quoting like Field of Dreams and, and that sort of thing all the time. But it, it, a lot of times, it's these comedies like Bull Durham, and uh, which, which I didn't give it to credit. Bull Durham, I think, came out before Major League and was an R, I believe, an R-rated. Yeah. Uh, R-rated baseball comedy. So I know people are trying to correct me on that, but uh, you're right. Sometimes these types of comedies are, is what seeps through to the baseball fan and, and maybe the, and the players. Yeah. The players for sure. And you know, stadiums and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and and maybe maybe one possible explanation for that, not to get too deep into it, is because as you brought up, one of the biggest enemies of a baseball player is boredom. Because there's so many games and they're so yeah. long and there's so many there's so many breaks in the action where you're not doing anything. And maybe stuff like this just kind of you know, it it, it seems like part of the, the fight against you know, part of part of being a great baseball player is being able to maintain that focus with all that going on with just the nature of like I mean you want to talk about like every like every every job to a certain extent is a grind but i think baseball more than any other sport would be just a grind i know in the in, in football you've got meetings and you, you have you know you the endless practices and that's i think i think football's more physically taxing in that respect but then you but then you're doing all that to play at most 19 games or is it going to be 20 games next year yeah they're adding a game yeah to the regular season I wild i don't know about that but uh anyway. i don't know about that either but i'll watch it i'm not, i don't have to play it so i'll watch it <laughs> um yeah 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 it's a good point about the baseball season i mean that's another part of this movie like they do spend a good chunk of time showing like stuff these guys are doing off the field and all this just the stuff that happens uh to uh, players and and you know the the inter- sometimes you don't get along with certain teammates and sometimes there's clicks of teammates and and that sort of thing you have the old guard like you mentioned before the old veterans who maybe don't like the rookies and they haze them and and that sort of stuff and and, and all the different personalities that go into a clubhouse and they touch on that in this movie but don't do massive massive character development but this movie didn't need massive character development they gave you everything you needed you got a romance in it uh, that worked. I think it was completely fine. Rene Russo is is perfectly charming, and didn't need to be too much, uh, as like kind of like the side story for the straight character as we push this baseball narrative along. And uh, it's just a fun, enjoyable watch, a good comedy uh, that uh, is full of laughs. And, and like we said, it, it does present itself a, a nice little sequel while it being PG, still very funny. And and so, and some of its bits may be even funnier than this movie because this movie I, may be a, a little straighter. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to say, but I mean, as it, this is, it's hard to go against the original. But I think I, I'm not going to say that Major League Two is objectively a better movie than this, but I'm going to say I enjoyed it more. <laughs> and I think yeah. it, it just has to do with the, it just has to do with the fact that I saw it first, 
And then, you know, of course, we, we've expressed our uh, admiration of the Jack Parkman character. And, I'm, it, you know, with all the, the whatever side plots they tried to introduce into the movie, I, I am, there was a, you know, we talk about the landmines that get missed in these productions all the time. And one of them was that they were going to end the movie with Jake and Lynn's wedding. And would, would have been another mistake. Yeah, it would have been. A, yeah, it would have been a terrible mistake. But uh, I obviously they they thought better of it, and because that then that just makes the whole movie kind of about him and his journey as opposed to the team. Even though you know we're basically getting <laughs> we're basically getting the one starting pitcher, a catcher, the and then two of the outfielders. That's really all we're getting. Like that's the, it. Oh, and Dorn was the shortstop, wasn't he? Third base. Th- oh, was he third base? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. tell because uh, he yeah. was because he was too busy playing him off his hips, trying to <laughs> right. trying to protect that merch. The hot corner <laughs> with the hot wife. <laughs> yeah, dude, his wife really didn't look like much until she put that red dress on. I think it was the haircut. God, you guys are much hotter chicks in the eighties would have been if it weren't for some of just the abysmal haircuts they decided to get that were that were just, in style at the time who knew all you needed was some water from a vase in the nearby hotel and Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> and True Lies and there you go yeah like right? where where did Dorn's wife get her hair cut at a fucking dog groomer like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it was shit <laughs> i can see dorn doing that he's like you know what honey i love you but um the stocks are down this year yeah so. yeah we don't know if, what, what did he say yeah we don't know if we're gonna take this room uh oriental or santa fe kicking right. kicking at my solarium <laughs> right, right. It, 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 again in his country club sweater guys love those country club sweaters in the late he, 80s he shows up to spring training with his golf club <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy doing? But uh, no, yeah. I mean, oh, one other thing I, I got to bring up is, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Scrubs before, but Neil Flynn, janitor from the Scrubs, makes his film debut in this movie as oh, the longshoreman. Thank you for picking me up on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Storied character actor Neil Flynn, who, yeah, it, just his whole. <laughs> <laughs> who are these fucking guys who are these fucking guys yeah and uh yeah he um it's funny because in scrubs he he makes a joke that he was an actor and they but they use the fugitive of him playing the cop yelling kimball mm-hmm. um when it, it would have been funny maybe if they uh, referenced uh, major league but um yeah neil neil flynn pops up and you, you know if you go back if you if you didn't know that, and you go back and watch now, it's in the beginning parts when they're doing the Randy Newman song, uh, showing sho- showing the the industrial tastes of Cleveland and what a kind of a working class town it is. Uh, it's with, not. It's not very flattering. It's it, it's not a very flattering open, it, but I guess they're trying to show you the the dreariness of uh, and, and, the tone of the team. and that song. As opposed to, I always think about that Family Guy bit about how Randy Newman just sings about stuff he stuff he sees, but um, in this case, it was about our river catching on fire, which is like one of those things. It doesn't matter how long ago it happened; you just can't live that down. You can't live that down. This is all. This is also the city that like drove Elliot Ness to despair and an untimely death. A lot of people don't know that post note to his career after his uh, glory in Chicago fighting against bootleggers. He uh, took a job here as the um, 
he was, I believe they made him the commissioner of the Cleveland Police Department, and they brought him oh, into, huh? there was a serial killer here who was like a much more low-rent Jack the Ripper. They called him the Kingsbury Run Killer. And uh, some people also called him the Torso Killer, and they brought in Elliot Ness to catch him. Uh, he never could, and then he descended into alcoholism and died in obscurity in the 50s. Cleveland rocks. <laughs> Cleveland, where dreams go to die. <laughs> the... See that train? It's taking jobs out of Cleveland. <laughs> uh, dude, the, oh you God. you made a joke about that dinner party about the, the elderly couple and that other couple. They were probably just sitting there arguing about what suburb they were going to move to. <laughs> That's true. True. Oh, hey, I've, been, I, I've been to Cleveland. Go, go to get the... Uh... The Christmas ale, whatever that's called. Great, the, Great Lakes Great Brewery Lakes. Christmas ale, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get that beer if you're ever in Cleveland. I say this stuff partially out of love. It is my home. I, I do Well, it's sort of my home. It's the closest major city. I, I do have a certain affinity for it, but you have to recognize that it has some deficiencies <laughs> compared to sure. other metropolitan areas. Not the least of which is our sports woes, which kind of brought us to Major League. Um, but I'll say this, Mike. It's no Hartford. So. <laughs> Hartford's a dump. Do, do people even <laughs> consider Hartford like a major city? No. No, I, I didn't think so. No, no, not at all. Just yeah. a lot of insurance companies call that place home. <laughs> um, well, all right. So, so yeah. we're, we're are we done bashing uh, cities in our in our home states? <laughs> I guess we're done. Yeah, we're done bashing our our, our big cities. Until um, next time. Right. So yeah, I think that I think we pretty much touched on everything. But yeah, make sure if you do go back and watch Major League, if you didn't notice them yet, and you're a fan of Scrubs uh, or that show The Middle, but uh, check out Neil Flynn. Character actor Neil Flynn does pop up towards the beginning and then throughout the movie when he says these guys ain't so fucking bad. Um, and I'm not sure the accent there. I don't even know if there is a Cleveland accent, but he there is. tries to put one. There on. is. Oh, there it, is. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't sound like me, but. Um... There is a yeah. Cleveland accent. It mostly, um, it mostly involves uh, words with the like kind of a long, like a like a short a sound. Like people kind of stab it. Like like if people say it's like I'm gonna go to the car. Like it's it like that. Ooh. Yeah. Or or can you get me some pop? Because that's what people call. Well, I don't I don't like it, but it's the kind of the regional slang for any soft drink is pop. You'll get that in Michigan too, um, wow. but uh, interesting. Right. yeah, um, yeah. Ohio does have some interesting regional uh, kind of like sub regional accents, but maybe we can get into that another time. Uh, yeah. All right. So, Mike, um, yeah, yeah. I think that that puts a bow on Major League. Uh, I think we covered most of the stuff we wanted to talk about without mm-hmm. getting redundant here. So, right. I'm just gonna fire it your way. You kind of said you maybe had an idea of where we were going with the movie. So, where where are we going on our next episode here on Just Like the Movies? Well, people uh, people who have listened, who have been faithful listeners, if if you are, thank you very much. If you're checking us out for the first time, you know. Uh, recommend it to somebody. Fo- consider following us on social media at justthemovies.com or not at just at just the movies on Twitter. We got a website. Yeah, I, I put it up. Uh, I put it up while I was uh, fighting off COVID. That's one of my just many like, skills. You're just like I am. Just rife with COVID. <laughs> I'm just gonna go get some domains on GoDaddy. <laughs> but uh, Twitter, Twitter's like the main one. But we also have an Instagram account, just like the movies pod. Um, and, uh, you know, just, you know, rate us on Apple if you can or, 
you know, just pass the link along to somebody to spread the word. And even if you don't like what we do here, just recommend it to people anyway and just let them be the shepherd of their own proverbial flock. But yeah. um, in any case, um, when we did the Lethal Weapon podcast, I put it on Johnny. It was kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure thing. Um, if we were going to do Mel Gibson, if he was, if he felt it was appropriate, we, we were going to do Lethal Weapon. The other side of that coin, of course, is a movie I'm almost afraid to do because it's just such a classic. And we've referenced it multiple times, and that would be Ghostbusters. Oh, <laughs> yes! Nice! That's yeah, awesome. we're really going to have to sharpen our pencils and get our thoughts in order, <laughs> and because that, that movie to me is an unbelievable comedy and an unbelievable movie, and that has mm-hmm. just continued to endure, and, um, you know... They have tried to trade on its success to varying degrees, and it hasn't really worked because there was just so much. I mean, it's just, it's such a, it, that's that that's exactly what I'm saying, why this movie's going to be so hard to do. Because it's just, people hold it in such high regard, and there's so much comedy that you just, it's just very, it's just lacking in I agree. in contemporary films. Yeah, it's we're gonna um, have to bring our best fastball with us that day. Oh, for sure. I'm I'm definitely gonna have to put some brill cream on the ball, like uh, so. I'm gonna have Vagisil on my love handles. <laughs> yeah, Harris definitely looked like the kind of pitcher who would still throw a screwball. Does anybody throw those anymore? <laughs> I haven't seen any. I, I I think for all the guys who are ripping their ulnar nerves just throwing fastballs, <laughs> you're gonna try to twerk your arm the other way. I don't know if that's the best way to go. <laughs> <laughs> well i uh i did the uh if anybody listened this long uh thank you very much for uh tuning into the program i, I got the plugs in and you know just yeah. spread the word if you can john you got any uh got anything else you would like to add yeah i just want to say um thanks to everyone who has been listening too i'm gonna uh double down on everything mike has said definitely spread the word if you know anybody who likes movies send it to them just copy a link shoot it their way via text or email or on social media whatever uh get involved on social media like mike said we're gonna try to be more active on there um but and and again you know we're only 12 episodes in this is going to be a constantly evolving podcast we already have some ideas we're going to be kicking around and stuff we want to do here so thanks for being uh, on board with us. If you are new, go check out the backlog. We have some cool movies we've been over. But yeah, most importantly, subscribe to the show. And you can do that on all your audio podcast platforms. SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Podbean, Amazon Music, Google Play. We're pretty much on all the major ones. Apple Podcasts, like Mike said, leave a review there. But uh, more importantly, make sure you are subscribed because then you'll know when the new shows post. We try to do them every two weeks. Um, we'll see where our schedule takes us in the future. But, yeah, Mike, I'm really excited to do Ghostbusters, so I'm pumped about that. Thanks for that pick. And uh, thanks for tuning in to this one here. We hope you enjoyed our chat on Major League. Uh, definitely reach out and let us know what you think. You can also email us at justlikethemoviespod at gmail.com with your feedback. And uh, if you have suggestions, we're always open to those too. But until next time, when we do dive into the paranormal via Ghostbusters, be kind, rewind. Relax. Hey, Black Hammer.